the Phoenix Suns on the back of their big three once again, winning in pretty convincing fashion. Five straight W's on today's episode of Locked On Suns. We'll break down how both ends of the court were powered by the big three, what the fourth quarter showed us with some hiccups along the way, and the power of playing fast. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start off your week. It is always a little easier when the Suns are winning, and they did that again on Sunday night. Five straight. Thank you for being here to celebrate, to ring it in. If you're not already Hit follow, hit subscribe, become an everydayer. We are here for you Monday through Friday to get you through the sun season and beyond. So just hit that button, get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday and get locked onto the Phoenix Suns all year long. We are joined today by Brandon Duenas as we are every single Monday. He is a writer over at Bright Side of the Sun and today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply, and we'll have more from LinkedIn later. But this one was pretty convincing, I would say, Brandon. 117 to 110. And we're going to mix it up a bit here versus the moment of the game that we would typically start the recap show off with. And we're just going to each give our reasons for why they won. Why did the Suns win this game? In some cases, when it's a loss, maybe we'll mix it up, do the loss side. Why did they lose? But I will let you start us off. Why did the Suns win this game? For me, it's simple. I mean, obviously, you could look at Durant and what he did and say 40 points, and obviously, they're not winning without that. But for me, it's just the the theme of the Suns in general is like, teams don't have a game plan for Booker and Durant. There's no third option. That's the reason they go and get a Bradley Beal. And to me, having that third outlet to kind of take the burden off them late in the game in the fourth quarter, going downhill, uh, getting to the rim, targeting Buddy Hield specifically, because like, you know, not every team has three lockdown perimeter defenders. So that that third option has always kind of been where the Suns have been lacking offensively. And just to have that like third outlet, I think is huge and uh, allows them to really kind of capitalize on whoever the weak link is defensively and, and really make them pay for having uh, someone like Buddy Hield on, on the court. And they haven't always had that. So Sorry, Bill Simmons. Uh, I think he's an upgrade over Landry Shamit. That and tonight was just another example. Like I don't think it was even his best game, but I just thought the way he was patient and let the game flow to him was was really awesome. And to me, it just shows the growth of the big three and why it's so important to have three of these guys that can just go out and get buckets. Yeah, Buddy Heald is. Uh, with all due respect, he has a lot of great things about him. He's one of the worst defenders in the NBA, and so it was absolutely the right move to to attack him. I agree it wasn't his best game. I think the Lakers game, just because of the sheer volume of it and the way that they were doing a little bit of a different spamming of uh, uh, something that was working in that game, which was using Beal as a screener. They did that a little bit in this one too, but this one wasn't so just try to stop this. You can't kind of in your face the way that Lakers game was. But what I liked about this game was a couple things from Beal. 
one that, like you said, he was able to kind of successfully attack the the weak link and picket that. But getting downhill felt like the most obvious thing in the world. And I don't know if it was just, I know, okay, like Durant was guarded by Siakam, so I'll give him a little bit of a break. Book was settling for not great shots. And I know, you know, it's easy to say that in the game where he's missing those and then against the Pelicans, it's like, wow, Book is putting on a show and he's taking a lot of the same shots. But the point is you have to adjust and Beal was willing to. And he realized, hey, not only are the Suns playing small and everybody's celebrating their small ball look, but the reason they're doing that is because the Pacers were also playing small. And so he attacked the basket where there was no rim protection and and not a lot of help in in general and was able to get some buckets on a team that really had nothing in terms of resistance down low. And like you could say all you want about his uh, ability to do it. I think all three of these stars have the ability to do it, but he was the one who like actually tried to and made the effort to and 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 got the job done I thought it was a a really impressive night to put the ball in his hands because that's just something we haven't really seen is is him taking over late in these games my answer was the big three on the defensive end and Beal in particular I think uh, you know guarding we saw him guard Zion the other night in this case he had some switches against Siakam he's chasing different guys around and but whether it was him or Durant continuing to make plays and having to guard Siakam and and everything else, I think those guys continuing to set a tone on defense is going to go a long way for this team. Yeah, 100%. And this goes back to what I said about Beal, even dating back to the offseason. I think he's a better defender than he's given credit for, just because he's he's a lot stronger than people think. Uh, he's, he's built really well, and he can guard up and, and just kind of serve as like sort of like Chris Paul when he'd get matched up those bigger guards and or like even some forwards that would try to back him down and they would just not move. It's, it's kind of similar with Beal. Like he's, he's got that deceptive strength, and I think that's huge for him on the defensive side. So the timely stops tonight were also massive. So that's, that's a good call there. I guess I just it's, – it's interesting as this continues to evolve because I asked Vogel about it post-game in terms of – I asked him was he surprised, did he have it on his radar that Beal could guard up positionally like he's been able to the past – handful of games you know his primary matchup was Zion the other night and then again you know Siakam tonight in in few spurts but even just anybody on this Pacers team he he was giving up size and Vogel said no he didn't necessarily expect that but he's been really impressed and he thinks Beal has a lot of the tools to to do it but one of the things like the ripple effects of that is I just think Book is maybe this team's best point of attack defender. And I kind of want to see that in more games in the regular season rather than just like trusting that we'll see the guy that was in Russell Westbrook's grill in that first round and had a few nice possessions against Jamal Murray. Like I kind of want to see them start him out on better players rather than hiding him so much defensively. Cause it feels like if Beal's kind of a wing defender for this team, then that means book has to guard those guys. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they, that entire dynamic works just throughout the regular season and into the playoffs. Like I think Vogel system in general, never typically highlights one guy just kind of being that uh, stopper. It's more of like a team approach. I feel like a lot of the time just trying to balance it as much as he can, but yeah, like I think Beal's, definitely taking on the, the tougher assignments of late. And I think probably some of that has to do with 
just the offensive workload that Booker and Durant have. Beal's kind of serving as, okay, like I don't have to expend as much energy offensively. So where can I, uh, where can I pour that extra energy? And like, I think his back looks, uh, and he's looked completely confident. So it's not like he's, uh, there's any limitations there. I think those first few games, he was kind of trying to work on trusting his body a little bit, which every player does coming back from something like that. So I think the, the more confident he's looked, uh, the better. But but I agree. I think Booker at this point is pretty clearly their best point of attack defender. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize that that trio and uh, what they do at the deadline too, I think, because they can always go, like, to me, finding another wing defender is uh, by far their biggest need. And there's some names I've been thrown out there, but, but yeah, just to get back to your point, I, I agree. I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what Vogel does and uh, how frequent, if this is going to be like the norm going forward, because it still is such a small sample size. It's tough to really yeah. say this is what's going to happen going forward, but it's, it looks like it's trending in that direction. Well, what you said is a good point, right? That they're not, unless it's like Alex Caruso and he yeah. is good enough to really own that. That's not, typically what Vogel has tried to do I guess you know PG once upon a time in in Indiana but they do switch a lot they do mix things up it is relying upon help and and you know execution and everything else with a, a center at the anchor of it but I would hope to at least kind of to start out possessions or maybe to close games if they're Will part of why I would hope they're willing to maybe put Booker in some of those positions more often is he's also having to do less offensively as the season goes along with Beal taking on that workload. So I, I hope that it can kind of gel in a way that yeah. benefits everybody and, and maximizes everybody's skill set. But I think that's getting us to our next segment, which is the big takeaway. What does it mean? What does this win mean in the big picture? We'll get to that next. First, today's show brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level here in 2024? And LinkedIn Jobs wants to help you answer that question. They know that all your success depends on the team you surround yourself with, and they've created tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I've told you before, I will say it again, I... Literally would not have the current job that I have writing for the website Awful Announcing if not for LinkedIn. Not only did I find the job posted there, I also messaged the hiring manager and a couple of the other people in the leadership of the company to connect with them and get my uh, bearings and know what the expectations were and just put in a kind of good word for myself, say hello, and it really went a long way. Hiring is easy when you have the most qualified candidates possible, and LinkedIn's the place to go to do that. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours on LinkedIn. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires. LinkedIn knows, knows that small businesses wear way too many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. That's why they come in with an intuitive, quick, and easy process. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're keeping it rolling. I will start us off here, Brandon. I think that, to me, what this game means in the big picture is that, well, it it doesn't mean something. I think that this game is not what should be sorted into the pile of the Suns are an awful fourth-quarter team and they collapse and they can't execute and this and that. Yes, there were some ugly moments where they were forcing the ball into Durant, but you also had rookie Jairus Walker, who 
barely has played this season, pulling up for a couple threes, you know, and different guys making plays, Buddy Heald making contested threes. These things happen. You're playing a good team. They don't want to quit. They don't want to. This is a playoff team. Yes, they're without their best player, but I think this is just a, another day in the NBA. I, I do not think this was another, you know, the sky is falling fourth quarter for Suns or Suns fans. No, definitely not. I think uh, the Pacers are a good team, man. Like even without Halliburton, this is a team that can score. Like they're, I think they're averaging what 117 a game without Halliburton, like in games he's missed. So they're still, they got a bunch of athletic, you know, young wings and forwards and, the Jalen Smith revenge game, he was looking uh, just dynamite and Obi Toppin was getting his. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah. it was a pretty balanced scoring attack for them. I think they had like six guys in, in double figures, but it just goes to show that star power wins in this league, that the big three was just too much. And the fact that Durant scored 40 without attempting a free throw just speaks to, to his greatness. And, and yeah, the fourth quarter stuff, obviously a young team like Indiana, they're, they're going to make their run and the Suns probably took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit with, with no Halliburton and probably at, at sometimes took him a little lighter than they should have, but, but overall it's a win against a good team and, and you just got to keep stacking these and, and building chemistry. So, uh, you know, tomorrow against Chicago going for six in a row. And I think it'll be good to kind of get a, that quick turnaround. And while you're hot, just keep trying to rattle these wins off and move up, move up in the standings. So it's, uh, you know, this is, we, we got to enjoy this. Like I know, I know there's some people that are just like still trying to nitpick and, and all this and, I get there's still some weaknesses this team has and like the bench scoring uh, going back to your LinkedIn ad, we might need to find some scores on LinkedIn or something I, at this point. It's getting, it's getting brutal for some stretches, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? The, the more that I try to think about it and that we've gotten a little bit of a sample under our belt with the big three and getting to see what that looks like as, as people covering this team, following this team, I, I really feel like one of the biggest problems and it sounds obvious, but it's still the same problem that was there when when Beal wasn't healthier, when any of these guys weren't all on the court together, which is anytime there's a lineup out there where any fewer than like, I want to even say three of kind of the, the, the big six, we'll call them on this team. If it's any fewer than three of those guys, those lineups just don't have enough juice. And I, I I agree with what you said in the last segment that even finding one playable wing anywhere, that's that's priority number one for this team. But that's what you kind of saw at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Got these guys have to sit, and yep. it seems like every time that happens, teams are able to come back into it. So that's a problem. But the mm. turnovers and yeah, maybe it kind of felt similar, but I didn't feel like it was a. Uh, the same thing as like the the Wizards game or the Knicks game or some of those really ugly ones. The weird thing I would say about this fourth quarter is that Miles Turner didn't play. He's like their best guy. Maybe Siakam obviously now, but that was a, a very strange way to close. Like the Suns going small got a lot of attention, but the Pacers playing that small and taking their anchor off the court was was even more strange. But why? Do, what, what are you going to take away from this game? What what's uh, what's the big picture importance of this one to you? So to me, it just shows that they're good enough to where literally three of their players can, can carry them and win games like this. But at the same time, when they're playing against better teams, it just shows a margin of error for someone like Eric Gordon is so thin, like he has to be productive or they just don't have that. Don't have a bench. That, that's really what it comes down to. They, they don't, they, then I think it goes back to my point I made earlier is just, they need, they really need to find one more quality rotation player. Like I don't think people understand how long of a way just one, more guy could go uh, with this unit. And this is 
again, this is with everyone healthy, like, you know, shout out to Bull Bull, but like, this is for the most part, all the key guys that uh, you're, you're looking at in your rotation. Like you have, you have six guys at this point that you can really trust. And outside of that, it's just like a revolving door of, you don't know what you're going to get. So uh, to me, it just kind of illustrates their their strengths and also what their weaknesses are going to be down the road. And the small ball stuff I thought was also interesting. So um, I think the identity is forming. It's just now about getting consistent production from the bench uh, as these guys get yeah. used to their roles. So, yeah, at this point, just, you know, the trade deadline is going to be tough because they really don't have a lot of assets. But there's definitely uh, you could find a, a seventh or eighth guy out there like just got to get all creative and, and, you know, hope the right mm -hmm. deal comes along. Maybe resuscitate one last uh, stretch run out of PJ Tucker on a buyout or something. We'll, we'll see. But yeah. Vogel said pregame, I believe, that he was just asked, like, it's officially the halfway point now, uh, you know, after last game and heading into this one, what he felt like he learned the most, like the biggest lesson he learned from the first half. And obviously, with so many inconsistent availability from different guys he was like the thing I feel like I learned is what everybody on this roster has to offer and that's true like not every team gets that luxury there's sometimes where teams have somebody they're wondering about and they have to call it kind of call their name in the playoffs and they're not sure what they're getting I guess that's somewhat of a silver lining but what I also heard when Vogel said that is this is what we got and it's not working. It was a little bit of a, hey, James, like, let's get something going. And I'm sure they talk. I doubt it's news to James Jones that this this depth is not where it needs to be. But, um, I mean, we've seen it and I don't think the returns have been good enough. So I think they absolutely need to be active. And, you know, I've said it a million times, but you need to be willing to kind of eat some value on on some move potentially, you know, yeah. sell low on, on a Nasir Little or you know, get rid of somebody who right now might be playing, but if you can improve on that spot, you got to take that risk. Cause yeah, mm -hmm. games like this, it's like, you're just, you're just crossing your fingers. Bates Diop does something and he just doesn't or yeah. a Kogi or Metu or any of these guys. It's just, it's, it's even just the box score. They're not, they're just not even contributing to the game at all. Look, I'll, I'll put it blunt. Like this, this is not, we're trying to win a championship here and this rotation is not going to do it. They need, they need to do something. If you're someone that thinks they should just stay like stand pat, uh, you know, obviously there's not a lot they can do, but I think they have, they have to try at, at the very least to, to bring someone in that can, that can help the bench because they're, they're back in like this. Like I said before, this is their top six are all healthy and this is what we're getting right now. So there's no guarantee of those six guys are going to stay healthy. So if they're down a guy or if there's foul trouble, uh, it could really snowball fast. So they, the the depth is not there. There's been a lot of disappointment, I think, on some of these minimum guys that we're starting to figure out why they were minimum guys and kind of talked ourselves into them. And uh, every team's guilty of that, right? It's, it's going to happen every offseason where you're like, oh, you, especially on a team like this where you kind of place them in with a big three and think that it's going to pan out. But uh, I really don't trust any of those back-end guys that they've had some moments and flashes where they look brilliant and other times where they disappear. So just finding someone that's consistent and reliable that uh, Vogel can trust is, is going to be huge because this is a championship we're trying to win. Like there's no, uh, there's no like waiting for next year, just playing it safe or worrying about Nasir Little's trade value or second round picks or anything like that. Like you just got to go all in. Uh, and I think Little does still have some value just because he's on such a team friendly deal and has multiple years of control and still young and shown some flashes. So uh, to me, just, 
do what you can to, to find that guy. I, I don't know who he is. There's some names I've, I've thrown out there in, in the past, but uh, that to me tonight, like obviously excited about the win. The big three looks great. I mean, it's everything you could ask for more, but then you also have to be realistic and kind of look at the bench too. And it's, but that's it's the thing, it. right? It's like the big three clicking now and you're starting to see that identity that you mentioned and you're starting to yeah. see the outline of how they can consistently win games then you start to look to what el- whatever else there is. Like early in the mm-hmm. season, you couldn't make any observations or proclamations about the stars because exactly. they weren't on the court together. Now it's like, all right, well, we kind of know. And so then you got to start adjusting beyond that. And so I think it's natural. But uh, let's close out looking at some of the stats that stood out to us. What is the rotation looking like right now? And some odds and ends there as we look at how the Suns pulled off this win first today's show brought to you by better help better help is making it easier and more personalized to find some help for yourself and i think it's a perfect time this time of year to be thinking about this because a lot of the focus ends up being from those of us trying to improve ourselves or whatever is to fully overhaul this or take up this new habit or whatever rather than just expanding on what we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick, and BetterHelp is here to make that easier. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It doesn't need to be because of something very, very negative that happened in your life or some sort of trauma. It can just be about empowering yourself to be the best version of you, learning coping skills, setting boundaries, things like that, and with BetterHelp, it's entirely online convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. All you got to do to start off is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with your therapist, switch licensed therapists for adding time for no additional charge. You can find somebody who really clicks with you. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show also Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network and America's number one sportsbook. The NFL regular season is over. The playoffs are wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You don't even have to win it right now. FanDuel is feeling extra giving this time of year, and that's $150 in bonus bets straight to your account, win or lose. I'm looking at the NFL Lines for next weekend, they're already up. The Niners are seven-point favorites at home. That team's dicey. They just went through a not-so-easy win against a team that is worse than the Detroit Lions. So that's a pretty big line. It might even go more in San Francisco's favor. I guess you'll have to keep an eye on it. There's also parlays, new bets in the Explore tab, and more at FanDuel.com. Check it out, FanDuel.com slash on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NFL and the NBA. All right, let's close out the show, Brandon. Um, Let's start with the box score oddity. Let's look at a a stat that kind of defined this game. I have to go to transition scoring and fast break points. Personally, the Suns had 22 fast break points tonight and 22 points off of the... uh, No, 17 points off of the Pacers turnovers. But when you go to cleaningtheglass.com, they have the transition efficiency broken out and... This was a game where a trend continued that I've focused on a ton, which is the Suns running off of misses. They ran off of more than a third of Indiana's missed shots, which is a high mark compared to 
most NBA teams, and they don't always have great nights. You know, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, but continuing to push combined with scoring off of turnovers, it's just making things easier. When we're talking about those role players, sometimes needing a little bit of uh, structure and support there, like it goes a long way when you can just say, hey, you're in open space, go score. And I guess tonight it was mostly the Stars scoring no matter what the context was, but the Suns need to keep doing that for sure. Yeah, and the Pacers are the second fastest team just in pace, in terms of pace this season. Uh, So they like to push it. And I think anytime you could take advantage of that and kind of flip it on a team, that's – and the Suns, like the Kings, are kind of a nice little addition to that too with how quick and they get up and down the court too. So I think uh, it just illustrates what I've kind of been preaching all year is like they they need to run. They need to lean into being just a deadly offensive team that can kill you in transition, uh, just – making the defense scramble like that's that's when I think they're going to be at their best and in the playoffs too and when, when things start to slow down and you're, you're just in those half court sets that's where we've seen some things get pretty stagnant so I think trying to emphasize pushing the pace and, and especially off misses and or turnovers like that's huge and the fact that they they were as efficient as they were against a team that loves to play fast uh is, is definitely a good mm-hmm. sign all right Benchmob vibe check here, our look at the rotation. I knew that we were going to be in for Metu minutes at the five tonight and some small ball once Isaiah Jackson was out for Indiana because he's their only traditional center other than Turner. So it was going to be Jalen Smith basically playing backup center. I guess a little bit of Toppin, depending on you know who you kind of want to call that, ended up being Siakam a lot. But that didn't go anywhere. The Suns had to play small. And it's just crazy to me that literally every night we turn this team on, or I was at the game, and we legit have no idea who's going to play outside of the top six guys. I guess you know a Kogi's going to play at this point. It's just going to be a small Two minutes or 20, like, yeah, you you just never know. Is there... Do you have any hope or optimism that the answer to some of the stuff we talked about early in the show can be somebody on this roster? Or are you fully on the buyout or some kind of trade is the only hope here? Because we are really only talking about they need like one more, maybe two more reliable guys. Do you think that can come from the current roster or does it have to be external? I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I just don't, I, I think, I think one of them can become that eighth guy. Uh, okay. Like, but it's just, even then it's so inconsistent. That's tough to, uh, I, th- I think we've seen flashes of it. There's one week we're all praising this guy and saying, you know, he's, he's, he's the next uh, lock in the rotation, give this guy 30 minutes. And then he, he plays five minutes next, like three games combined. So I, I don't know. It's just, or sprains his foot. Yeah. That too. So I, I think they, they have a bunch of guys that could be that eighth guy where it's, you have a little more flexibility to kind of experiment with that and use matchup dependent things uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, I think looking externally is kind of their safest bet and there's, there's no guarantees there either with uh, what they can do. But to me, it's like you, you enter the playoffs. Are you really going to feel good with someone like a Kogi or Bates Diop? Uh, playing heavy minutes at, at this point, the answer is no. And they got to prove that they can bring it consistently or, uh, you know, just 
help out offensively in any form or fashion before I can change my answer there. And I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I think uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's brutal. No, but I think it's what you said about maybe it's uh, you know, the, one of these players becomes like the eighth guy or something. I think in general, yeah. we lose the fact of what you're really needing to lock in come postseason time. Right. I think of the nuggets last year a lot when I'm imagining my way through a, a playoff rotation because they were a bad. They had a bad bench last year. They lost the minutes when Jokic was off the court by a million. Murray was still kind of taking the season to get into a groove. Similar to, I guess you know you kind of say that with Beal this year. And by the time the playoffs came around, everybody was like, "Who is even their rotation going to be?" As they try to win a championship now that they're finally healthy. And it turned out, well, we all knew Bruce Brown would be part of that. We figured Jeff Green probably would. And then they only needed one more guy and it ended up being Christian Brown and he was a rookie and did just enough, but you only need eight guys. And in, you know, game seven situations, you need like six and a half. So it's really just a reliable guy when we're talking about the playoffs for 10 to 20 minutes at the very end of the rotation. And so, yeah, maybe one of these guys steps up to be that, but I do think they still need to add one more thing. The last uh, check-in I want to do here in terms of how the Suns won this game. We're going to do a NERC report. I don't know if we've done this with uh, on, on here with you before, but this is a uh, just all things Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's one of the most strange players to watch on a night-to-night basis that I've ever covered on, a, on any roster, but the Suns watching them night-to-night. He, uh, he had six fouls in 30 minutes tonight, and I feel like half of them were charges. And it's just a bizarre... I, I do think the refs... He's one of these guys that's like so big that he, he does end up being a little hard to officiate. But I don't think I've ever seen a player get called for six fouls in 19 minutes and have so many of them just be from barreling into the defense and getting called for an offensive foul. This guy continues to uh, wow me on a nightly basis. Yeah, I remember when we first traded for him, I talked to a Portland fan about him a little bit. And that was one of the first things he mentioned, actually, before even getting into his game. He's like, he fouls a lot and it's random. So kind of that Jaron Jackson Jr., but completely different player in terms of just the foul frequency Mm -hmm. where uh, it's just it's kind of bizarre. And like, I, yeah, it's just he's also kind of in the camp of you never know what you're going to get in terms of uh, especially lately with the the minutes and Vogel trying to go small and just what you're going to get. But like. I, th- I thought he was, you know, uh, his activity on the glass was, was great and he was playing aggressive, but just it kind of snowballed into it just not being his night because, uh, yeah, 13 boards in 19 minutes. That's that's pretty impressive. Big. So. And he had that one where he was posting Turner up and just completely smashed into him. And it's just like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, come on. Uh, but, yeah, I, I guess like the other part of this though is tonight was a perfect example. I talked about this with Shane Young last week on the on the pod, and um, one of the big differentials. And I hate to keep bringing Da up, but whoever you want to point to, the 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 unselfishness, the fact that it's a weird night. He's getting officiated hard, but he has 13 rebounds, four assists, and he only shoots the ball two times. Like he just doesn't, he does not need to shoot the ball. He doesn't care. That's not going to fluctuate for him. He does, he's, you know, like, you know, I guess not to point fingers or throw somebody out there kind of a little randomly, but the first guy I mentioned on the rotation side of things, Chemezi Metu, he's not going to do those things unless he gets the score. 
Mm-hmm. We've learned that. Like Metu is in Metu looks awesome when he's scoring twenty five. Nurkic doesn't need to do that, and so I think there's something to be said there for sure. Yeah, and that doesn't. That's just going back to just adding another player. Like it doesn't have to be someone that's going to go out and get, you know, 15, 20 points. Like they don't, they don't need. They just need a reliable player that can impact the game without needing the ball, low maintenance, uh, and impacts winning. Like that's that's really what it comes down to. It's just like I feel like they have too many guys that you just forget they're on the court for for too long, and uh, the only time you kind of remember with guys like especially like mentioned, like you said, is whenever he's scoring. And that's just not sustainable, especially in the playoffs. You need that that P.J. Tucker, that Royce O'Neal, that whoever you want to call it, just someone that does that, and they're missing that. And I think just from a toughness perspective too, like uh, I think th- they do have a tough – like they're a feisty team, I think, and they're trying they're trying really hard to slowly ingrain that into their opponents. Like they're, they're definitely like, – that's all Vogel too. Like I think – yeah. He wants his team to be like that and they're starting to pick up on that. But they, I think they still need that guy like that Jay Crowder. That's not afraid to mix it up. And like, also if he gets ejected, it's not going to kill your chances of winning. Like, uh, you know, just, they need someone that can go in there and do that. And they, they don't have that. Yeah. That's the one ingredient that I think is keeping them from being a true championship contender. Cause Nurkic is too valuable to be that guy, right? Like, you know, yeah. we can laugh because they won, but if he had fouled out and Turner goes off in the second half, we'd be like, well, damn, missed opportunity. He, he really screwed them there. So, yeah, you, you kind of need that. And he's a part of that solution. But, you know, considering he's really the only reliable center on this team, you need him in there. So he can't always be doing that type of stuff. So that will wrap us up for the day. 117-110. Five straight for the Suns and a back-to-back tomorrow. So another recap show coming your way Monday night into Tuesday morning. Hit follow or subscribe if you haven't already to get that show and more throughout the week. We will catch you guys.